you have your Bible this evening, um, I didn't turn in a, a slip where up there they'd be able to do this, but I'm going to go out of Acts 1 and 14 and then Luke 24 here for just the opening. I want to talk about for just a moment, we just came off of the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, we try to encourage that to be a corporate fast, uh, and uh, we hope that everybody has, has been through that, or at least uh, some kind of fasting uh, through these 21 days as a church. And I just want to focus on prayer a little bit tonight. Uh, because we've quit prayer and fasting doesn't mean we quit either one of those. Uh, they ought to become a, an, a, an intricate part of our walk with the Lord, and, and we need to continue that and continue to go forward in that way. But I want to talk this evening just for a few minutes on the world's or history's greatest prayer meeting. And I want to talk out of Acts being the greatest prayer meeting. And it says this in Acts 1 and 14, Then they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And then when you go down to Luke 24, 52 and 53, it says this, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. And I want to talk about the history's greatest prayer meeting. And I truly believe that that prayer meeting was before the day of Pentecost. I believe that when, when you begin to think about it, in Acts chapter 1, they had a 10-day prayer meeting. They were waiting on the promise of the Father, the blessing that Jesus said was coming, the Holy Spirit. And now, in, in, in the essence of what maybe some prayer meetings have been uh, televised or, or publicized in the world we live today, this may not uh, account for that. But when you think about for 10 days, these men and women, they went in and they began to pray and to seek the Lord. Jesus said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and tarry until the promise of the Father comes, the Holy Spirit. And he is going to endue you with power from on high to be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. In other words, that was going to be the birthing of a powerful, the powerful church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they went back to Jerusalem and they began to Terry, they begin to pray. They begin to seek the Lord. The first two chapters of Acts, the disciples were simply in a prayer room. The best guess we have and the best estimate according to the Bible and history is simply they were there 10 days praying, day and night, seeking God. I don't know what all transformed or happened there, but they were waiting on the promise of God. When we enter our prayer place, we are to go there to wait on the answer from the Lord. And I want to say this going into this year. I, I think every time I have gotten up, every time I've preached this year, I think I have made these words and these comments. If you have been praying about a situation coming out of 2023 and you've come into 2024, don't quit praying. Don't quit praying. I, I, I say this, and people say that I think they think I just say it. I don't know of any other year in ministry that I have heard people say, as in 2023, I just can't wait for this year to be over. 
I just can't wait. I've had to walk through this, and I've been walking through that. I've been praying about this. I haven't faced as hard a times as what I've faced in that year, 2023. And, and I've heard that over and over and over and over, and I've probably said it a time or two myself. But I want you to just grab a hold of how important prayer is. And simply, as you've transitioned now into 2024, we're about a month into that, don't quit praying about that circumstance. Don't quit praying and believing what God has already promised you. Don't quit praying, but when you enter into that prayer room, you go with an expectant heart that God could answer that prayer at any time. And when he bids you to stay longer than you're used to or to come at a different time than what you're used to, follow his bidding and see what he will do. I believe God's got great things for this year. I really do. It doesn't mean the enemy's going to quit fighting. It doesn't mean that problems are just going to uh, dissolve and miraculously be gone. Some of those could. But what it means is that as we pray and we seek God, we draw closer to him. And then he begins to move and minister in our situations. Over in the scripture, it says this, For all of the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us in 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. Also in Matthew 7 and 8, and 7, and, or 7, 7 and 8, it says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks find. And to him who knocks it will be open. And I know prayer can get tiring. Prayer can become work if we're going to be honest about it. We want those prayers that we pray to be answered now. How many like instant gratification? How many like something just, you know, we, we have things so easy in the day that we live. When, whenever you're, you know, you go to the bank, you can go to the drive-thru. You don't even have to get out and go in anymore. You can go to the drive-thru. You put it in that little tube. They suck it in. Somehow they take your money. They give you just a piece of paper when you get it back. But you don't even have to get out of your car. You want something to eat? Some will leave here tonight. You'll go to a drive-thru. You'll go through town and you'll decide whether you want Taco Bell or McDonald's because you don't have to get out of the car or the one in between, Dairy Queen. And you'll go in there, you'll drive up, you'll order. Hopefully they put the right thing in. And when you get home, there you have your meal. You didn't even have to get out. We like those things. We like the microwave. We like the instant things that are coming. But how many know sometimes, even though God could, God doesn't always answer instantly. He doesn't always answer that quick prayer or that quick answer back to us. But we've got to stay faithful and simply seeking out God and calling upon his name and believing his word for what he wants to do. You see, in that prayer meeting, that first prayer meeting, you think about it, when they walked into that room, the 120 that walked into that room and is waiting on the promise of the Father, number one, we have to remember on that mount where Jesus said, I want you to go back and I want you to tarry, there was 500 so that will tell you something about prayer, just off the top of it. That will tell you that when, when, when you really have to pray, not everybody's going to join in and pray. 
But 120 went back and they filled that upper room and they began to pray. The Bible tells us it took them 10 days to work through some mess. That's really what it's saying there. There were things, there were opinions, there were things that, that they had to get rid of. There were things that they had to, to, to come to terms with. There were people in that room that, that not only were with Jesus in the inner circle, one of them even denied him. And somebody had to work past that, and he probably had to work past that, even though Jesus reconciled back to him and assured him and affirmed him. Somebody always remembers those things we did that weren't so good. Why is it that we can, we can remember those things? Do you know what they did to me 20 years ago, and we were walking through Walmart, and they said this, and I'll never talk to them again. Then they come to church and sit down beside of you. And they don't even know they said it. But something stirs up inside of you and you remember that. Or somebody done something to you or has wounded you or something else. And sometimes we have to work at getting ourselves where we need to be. How many has ever prayed for somebody and you thought, God, just change them? God, if you'll just change that individual... Everything would be okay. And what happens? God begins to work on, on you. I believe that's what happened in that upper room. I think they finally came to the point in, in their processing and their praying that they finally come into one mind and one accord, as Acts 2 tells us, that they came into the like-mindedness of Christ that self didn't matter anymore, the, the hurts didn't matter anymore, forgiveness came up in that room, and forgiveness was given and received in that room. They had to go to one another. I'm sure somebody had to apologize to somebody. Somebody had to go and say, I'm sorry. Somebody had to decrease that he might increase. And those things still go on in the day that we live today. They really do. When we want to truly be Christ-like and draw closer to him, we have to learn to decrease in who we are that he might increase. Did you ever notice how Jesus prayed? I mean, he, he gave us examples, but in Matthew 14 and 23, it says this, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was there alone. The Bible tells us of 16 instances where Jesus was praying in the Gospels. 16 times it's recorded that he went and he prayed. And every one of those times, in generally, he would go somewhere and distance himself from all the other people and all the distractions as much as he could. Now, he, he was about doing ministry. He was doing miracles. He had his inner, inner circle. He had his group of friends. He had all of that. But when he truly went and wanted to go pray and talk to the Father, normally he would find it his practice to go and get alone where nothing could distract him and nothing could get his attention. Nobody could talk at that point. But here, even in this scripture, he found himself up in the mountain alone when it was evening. It's not a bad thing to have a place designated where you go pray and you pull away from everything. How many remembers the, the um, movie War Room? That stirred the church. That stirred the church, that movie, 
where that, that lady finally had to find a closet and make it her war room, and that was her war room to go in there and war and to pray and to seek God. And she put scriptures up, and she would saturate it. I'm sure she had oil somewhere and all of those things that she did to make it a point to spend time with the Lord. That's probably not a bad idea for all of us. Jesus kind of set the example, getting away by himself, finding time to pray when he needed strength and when he needed to just be with the Father, he made it where he could go and be alone away from everybody else. I would encourage all of us to have a place where we're comfortable, and I don't mean through the comfort of sleeping, but a comfortable place where we can get away from everybody, all of the distractions, whether it's locking the door and saying we, nobody can bother me in here, whether we have a room we can designate that in our home or wherever we're at and, and all of that, that we just spend that time in the presence of the Lord and spend it every day. Every day, and if you can't make it to that secret place, then have a way that you can pray, whether it's in your car on the way to work, whether it's on the way home, whether it's on the lunch break, or however it works out, that you spend time in the presence of the Lord. It's important because it builds up our most holy faith. It, it builds up this, this inner man, and it builds up our spiritual man that we want to become more like the Lord. Matthew 5 and 7 says this, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in a secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And again, I just want to say, when you have that secret place to stow away and pray, it, it's important. It builds up who you are in Christ. It draws you closer to him. And, and it, it, there, we have corporate prayer. We have public prayer, and that's wonderful, and that's great. But we need private prayer where we're alone with God, and we can give him the petitions of our heart. And not only give him the petitions of our heart, but we can also listen to his voice. And I think that's just as important as him hearing our voice is that we hear his voice. Whether it's a nudge, whether it's through his word, whether it's audibly into your spirit, however it is that God speaks, that we recognize his voice and we hear it and we follow his voice in the day that we're living. Now, I know there's sometimes people say, Pastor, I get too busy to pray. And I'd just like to suggest this. If you're too busy to pray, then you're just too busy. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. To be mindful of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean you stop everything in the day, but you learn to pray through the day. You take the opportunities that God lays there before you. I used to be a machinist years and years ago, and I had my own little shop, and I would be in my shop, and, and I would be in there, and uh, they, they didn't allow us to have a radio in there to listen to music or anything, and I'd be going around the shop humming or singing sometimes. Uh, other times, I'd just be walking around talking to the Lord. And inevitably, my one boss would always come in. He, he attended a different church, and he'd come in and he'd say, Ivan, who in the world are you talking to? 
I'd say, well, I'm just talking to my brother. And he'd say, what? And I'd say, yeah, my brother, Jesus. And he'd, he'd just shake his head. He was a wonderful man. He was a Christian, but he just didn't get it. He just didn't get it. But I, I used to walk around praying all the time. I still do that. I still just go, and in my moments, people will say, who are you talking to? I'll say, well, it's my brother. I told and shared the incident. Uh, I had went in the store to buy something here in Oakland one time, and, and uh, this hadn't been that long ago, and a young guy behind the counter, uh, as I was getting the money out to pay, he simply used the Lord's name in vain and used Jesus Christ in a, in a bad way. Uh, and, and I looked at him as soon as, as, soon as he did it, I, it, just instantly I said, don't talk about my brother that way. And he said, what? And I said, don't talk about my brother that way. He said, who's your brother? I said, Jesus Christ. He died for me. Don't talk to him. Don't. Now, I know I'm the pastor, and that might seem a little defense, def, de, defensive about things. But it's really not that. It's the relationship you have with the Lord that he's important to you. If my natural brother was there and they said something derogatory about him, I would say the same thing. Don't talk about my brother that way. And he's that real to me. And that's what he wants in every one of our lives is to be that real. For us to understand that he is walking with us and we can talk to him all through the day. And we can pray all through the day. And can I just throw this out? When there's a need, when there's a situation, and you're where you need to be with God, and you're walking with Him, you don't have to call the pastor to pray. You can pray for that need or situation right then. Well, that'll get quiet. We'll pray all you want us to pray in, in situations, all you let us be privy to. But you hold the power within your relationship with God. That you can call on the name of the Lord also. And that's what he wants the church to be in the day that we're living. That we're not having to say, well, let me go home and pray and then I'll come pray for you. But that we're full of the power of God walking in our every day. That when a need arises, we can pray right where we're at with them. And call upon the name of the Lord. You see, the agenda for prayer meeting was set by the Lord. This prayer meeting uh, at the upper room. He set the agenda. He said this in Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And church, can I tell you this? I believe God wants to move in the fullness of his power in the day that we're living right now. I believe when we pray and fast for the first part of the year in this 21 days that we've went through, I believe it sets the tone spiritually for the church, for you as an individual, for the church as, as, a, as a body, and that God shows he wants to move and he wants to minister in hearts and lives. Miracles are happening all around us if we see them, if we're willing to look and we're willing to see them. Uh, wasn't it Cheryl Marple's sister? Tammy, who just put on Facebook, they traveled, I think it's to Jacksonville, Florida. They were going to the cancer center. She had had tests here, and she was going down there to see what kind of treatments were going on. And when they got there, the doctor from here called and said, you really don't need to be there. The cancer that we've seen and all of that, it's gone. You, you can't explain those things other than God. But God. 
I mean, and, and you hear things like that. We need to share those things more often. We need to build up our most holy faith that God is still a miracle-working God. And yes, we need to go to the doctor and we need to have those tests and we need to do what we need to do. But when God heals us and God touches us, we need to let people know that God is still in the healing business. How many in here has ever been touched by the hand of God? And you know he's healed you. He's healed your body. Probably every one of us, whether we're aware of it or not. God is still moving and God is still doing what he has always done. God has not changed. And that excites me even in the day that we're living. That we can call upon the name of the Lord and he can be found. As we come to the Lord in prayer, we should also have an agenda, I think. I don't know how many do this. I don't know. I don't think it's a rule type thing. But I think you ought to have a prayer list. How many know we have people that call all the time that want prayer? This church has had a history of that. And, and, and we keep a prayer list and we we have people that pray. We have a prayer chain and we call and there's people that are involved in that ministry and they have a list of people they pray for every day. And it's exciting when you get to scratch one off because of healings just like I talked about, because of things that has went on and God moves and God ministers and, and that. But, but even in your prayer life, you have to have things wrote down and, and pray and ask God to meet those needs and to come where you're at and to do the things that you're asking him to do. It's a reminder for us. And then we see the goodness of God as we're able to see where he has moved on those things. Whenever you look at this in that upper room, they continued in that prayer place. They continued in prayer and worshiping God. They came to a place where they got into unity one with the other. And I'm going to tell you something. When the church comes into unity, it commands the blessing of God. It commands, according to Psalms, the blessing of God. And we need the blessings of God in this day and age. We've always needed it, but we need God to show himself real more than ever before. An unbeatable formula for drawing close to God is simply this. Praise and worship plus prayer and supplication will equal drawing near to God. You can incorporate all of those things in your prayer time. There's nothing wrong. You say, well, pastor, I can't sing. He said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And I know they say that humorously. But I want to tell you, when you begin to sing, whether you can carry the tune or not, it doesn't matter to God. He looks at the intent of the heart, and he looks at that praise is coming from you because you love him. And he's not, he's not really worrisome about whether it's on key or out of tune or or whatever but what he is looking at is are you you're truly worshiping him and you're singing and you're praising him and you're you're just coming in you're not worried about what anybody else thinks maybe they're not even around to hear it and 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 all of that but God is looking at the very intent of your heart as you praise and you worship him and you just give that up as an offering unto him and then you go into prayer and supplication, and all of a sudden you feel the presence of God, maybe like you've never felt it before. Maybe you've entered into that place, and you can all of a sudden feel a difference in your home. You can feel a difference in the workplace where you've been, and you've been praying through there. I encourage you to pray in your workplace. 
Now, they may not let you go around and, and pray openly and pray loud. Some places do now, but they may not allow you to do that. But I can tell you, you can walk through a place, and you can pray the blessing of God upon it, and you can pray over those other desks or other workers or whatever the situation is, and you can begin to make that a place where God dwells just by praying there. He called that his house would be called a what? A house of prayer. That's how important prayer is to God, that we put prayer back in that place and understand when those disciples and those 120 went up in that room, they made prayer the priority. They made prayer that that it was what it was about. They were praying for the promise of the Father, not even realizing what that promise would be. They didn't know how that was coming, what it would be, how it would impact them. But when the power of the Holy Spirit hit that place, it said they were in one mind, in one accord, in one place. And all of a sudden there came a sound from heaven like as a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where there were setting and there were cloven tongues like as a fire that set upon each of them and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. And what I love, and I know I use Acts 2, 1 through 4 a lot. I know I go to Acts a lot, and I still, if, if I'm allowed to have a favorite book and all of that in the Bible, it's really that one. Acts has always been that one that I've been drawn to and, and love to read and love to let my imagination go wild when I read the miracles that are there and the outpourings of the Holy Spirit and how that 3,000 got saved that day and, and all of the things that go on in the book of Acts. It's still should be going on today. We are an extension of that church, of that book in the world today. But when you think about it, and, and, and this word all in the, in the Greek is used one of two places. Now, I know all is in the Bible several places. But in the Greek word, it's only in two places. And this is one of them that it means everybody. The other places it means, like it was, it was for everybody, but maybe they didn't get it. Maybe it passed them by. This is, this is the one of two places where that word, all, it meant, and it's in its context, is simply everybody there received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was in that room, Everybody. And I would love to see that all restored in the house of the Lord again. I really would. I'd love to see God sweep over the church and just simply fill everybody with the power of the Holy Spirit and give them the, the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. I would love to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I believe it can happen again. I believe it takes a hunger after the things of God. And I know there's people that say, oh, but that's not for today, or oh, that's, that was done away with at the, the death of the apostles. I want to tell you, God is still moving, and he is still ministering, and he is still empowering and baptizing the, the children of God who desire him and seek him with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit even today. And he's still moving that way. That excites me. We can hold on to the promises of God. We can allow God to move in our life, move in our church, move in our homes. And I believe God is still answering prayer. Still answering prayer. 
We can pray alone, and I think we need to, but there's something about when two or three come together and they pray. The Bible says, if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask it, and it shall be done for them of the Father which is in heaven. There's a principle of agreement that when we come together and we agree together, that God is going to move and God is going to minister. It's in his word, Matthew 18 and 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. If two are better than one, or the principle is, if two are better than one, 120 must have been something else. Coming into agreement. I think that's why prayer requests are so important. But along with prayer requests, I think testimony is important too. We need each other to pray for one another. We need each other when, when there's a need. We need to call upon the name of the Lord. I think personal prayer life is important, and we need that. But we also need corporate prayer. We need when two or three do gather together, and we're not afraid to share it. We've, we've come into a, a cultural shift in the church that everybody assumes everything ought to be okay or there's something wrong with you spiritual. If you have a problem, well, you must not be living right. If you have a problem, we become Job's friends. What'd you do that that's, that's happening to you? And what has happened in the church is we become afraid to share when we need prayer. My prayer is that that wall gets broken down and we have confidence in one another and confidence in the Word of God and confidence in God himself that when we have a need, we can go to a brother and sister and we can say, hey, I need prayer. Can I share this with you? I thank God that there's prayer groups that are raising up in this church. There are intercession, intercessory groups that are arising in this church, that there are men and women that are praying and seeking God on behalf of the needs of the people. And I thank God for that because we need that. We need that. When you look around Lachlan Church of God, there was a day, and I'll say this because out of the however many years that, that this church has been here, I've been in the 50 category involved with it at 50-plus years. I know I don't look that old, but I've been there that long. I'm now one of the pillars, I think. But when I look around and I, I remember the pillars as growing up and the pillars now, a lot of the pillars are gone. They went on to their reward. They prayed for years. They sought God for years. They believed God for years. They, they come up out of nothing believing God that one day uh, th that this church was going to reach this community and reach this area and, and all of that. But God has taken a lot of those home. And we need people that will get under the prayer load and seek God and pray and hold him, hold him up. Uh, I, sometimes I, I go back and I read about Moses and, and how that he had, uh, I won't be able to think of the names. One was her, the other was, help me, Aaron, thank you. Somebody knew it. And, and when the battle was on, they came and they held his hands up. Well, I want to tell you, in ministry, and, and whether it's teaching, whether it's preaching, leading, singing, or whatever it is, if you're involved in ministry, you need an Aaron and a her that will hold your hands up before the Lord because sometimes the load gets heavy. And that's why we need each other. We need each other to pray for each other and to hold each other up and to let God have his way. You see, in the book of Acts, 
we find that the people prayed in a group and they prayed in private. They prayed for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They prayed specifically for people and situations. And they prayed for the effectiveness of the church. And they also prayed for rulers and leadership. And I believe the church still is called to do that today. And we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for the effectiveness of the church, the ministries of the church, the things that are going on. We still need to pray for our leadership. Not just for the church, but for this country. We, we're in dire straits. I'm not going to go that route tonight. But I'm, I'm just telling you, we need to pray for the leadership of this country. That God would intervene somewhere, somehow, some way. And that whoever is, is going to get there, God already knows all that and God has his hand in that. But we need to pray that God would move on the hearts of people. And we would, we would simply look to the word of God as our deciding factors in the days to come. Prayer is of the utmost importance today. I truly believe that. History's greatest prayer meeting was the day of Pentecost because it birthed a church, a church of power, a church of promise, a church that could walk into a dead situation and call it back to life. I love to read those stories. I encourage you, if you hadn't read the book of Acts, just go read the book of Acts. But I tell you, something comes alive when you allow the Spirit of God to move in your heart and in your life. And he touches you. And I want to encourage you. I said it in the beginning. I want to say it in my closing. I want to encourage you that if you've been praying about something, if you've been praying about a lost family member, if you've been praying about one of your kids or, or, or one of your parents, I mean, that, that spectrum goes both ways in this church. If you've been praying about somebody that's lost and away from God, if you, and maybe they're bound in, in some kind of an addiction or whatever it could be, there's not anything too hard for God. Continue to call their name out. Continue to stand on his word. Continue to believe. Maybe you're praying about financial things as you're coming into this year. Continue to believe God for the things that he has for you. Continue to go before him and press in and begin to just call those things out. Call those things that are not as though they already are. And believe God at his word that he is going to move and he is going to minister and he's going to turn things around. And I believe he's going to do that. I think we're going to hear reports week in and week out of what God is already doing and what he's doing in hearts and lives. And I, I want to hear that from you. If you're carrying that kind of burden, don't give up just because the year has changed and nothing has changed because God never changes. And his word does not fail. And it doesn't come up short, but he hears your cry.